I'm married to a lady that has opportunities to go all over the world and preach the gospel. Uh, Linnell just got back from Indonesia where she went and she actually got to go with her mom and dad and minister in a number of churches that are there. But God's put a great grace on her life, not just ministering to women and children, but to people all over the world. But she shared something with me that God gave her. She shared in the nation of Indonesia. And I said, honey, I want you to share that with the church because the hand of God is on it. So with that, I want you to give a big hand to my dear wife and partner in ministry, Linnell Miller. God bless you. Well, it is a great uh, opportunity. And also, um, I appreciate that my husband believes in me and he does let me travel. And I don't travel all around the world, but I love to go and I love to be used by God to minister to people. And thank you as a church for sending me, for, for covering me, for um, allowing me to be gone and come back in and watching over my family while I'm gone. So I love you all. But I do have a word that God's given me today. And I do want you to hold on to those sticky notes. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do with them. You can put them on your forehead if you want, but you don't have to. Just, just hold them in your hand. That's all. But I want to tell you about two little boys, a little eight-year-old and a little 10-year-old. And they were two little boys being raised by a single mom. And these two little boys were hooligans. They were very mischievous. They were always getting into trouble. And if anything in town happened wrong, these little boys were accused and probably were the ones that instigated it or were part of it. Well, uh, the mom didn't know what to do with them. They were getting in trouble at school. They were getting in trouble <clears throat> everywhere they went. So the mom heard that there was a pastor in town and that this pastor had a way with children and that this pastor could help set her boys straight. So she contacted this pastor and said, I, you know, I have two little boys. And the pastor said, yes, I know about your two little boys. I've heard about them. I've seen them around town. She goes, I was wondering if you could help me. He said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I will see both of your boys, but I want to see them separate. Bring the eight-year-old tomorrow morning, and in the afternoon, you can bring me your 10-year-old. And he says, I'll help set them straight. So the next morning, the mom drives the little boy, drops the little eight-year-old off to this pastor, and he comes into the pastor's study. And the pastor said, young man, will you sit right there? So he has the little boy sit, and this was a big old pastor. He was a big man. He had a, a preacher voice, a booming voice. And he said, young man. I want to ask you a question. Where is God? The little boy's eyes got really big. He looked up. His mouth opened up. And he just, he, he couldn't say anything to the pastor. So the pastor said, young man, I asked you a question. Where is God? And the little boy just looks up at this pastor. And he's trembling. He can't say anything. And the pastor said one more time, young man, I asked you a question. Where is God? This little boy lets out this, ah, jumps up, runs out the door, runs all the way home, runs into his house, run, into his bedroom, into the closet, slams the door. Well, his 10-year-old brother is really scared. He goes and, and rattles the door and says, what's wrong? What's wrong? What did the pastor do to you? And his little 8-year-old brother says, God's missing, and they think we did it. Okay, why don't you turn in your Bibles with me. Turn to Mark 
And then we're also going to look at 1 Timothy 4, 12. Mark 9, 37. In the Message Bible translation, it's written, Jesus said, Whoever embraces one of these children, as I do, embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. Other translation says, whoever welcomes or receives or accepts one of these little children accepts me. I want to challenge you today to have a heart like God's heart. I want to challenge you today to see children through God's eyes. You know, many of us have children around us who we see as nuisances, as children that are constantly squirming and distracted, making noise. We see, often see children as smelly. Whoever's taught a class of kids that just came off the platform knows that kids can smell pretty, pretty uh, strongly. And the room can, can be filled with an odor with these little kids in there. If you have ever been around little children, and can I tell you, all of us have. Now, as a parent, you mess with my children, you mess with me. But I have a responsibility not only for my own children, not only for our own grandchildren, or, but we have a responsibility for children that are around us. And I'm going to put up on here a list of people, and I'm going to ask you a question. What do the following people have in common? Eli, he was a priest. Samuel, who was a prophet. Elizabeth, who was a cousin. Anna, who was a widow woman. Simeon, who was an old man. Pharaoh's daughter. Lois and Eunice, who were a mother and a grandmother. Mordecai, another cousin. Or all of these people today, a foster parent, a neighborhood mom, a school teacher, a grandparent, Sunday school teacher, an aunt or an uncle, a coach. What do all these people have in common? They all influenced a child's life and made a difference. Let me tell you what George Barna says. He is a statistician in the church. He is a man that does surveys and, and figures things out. He says that today there is a 5 15 window, an unreached people group in America, in the world. And he says that out of this age group, from 5 to 15, they make up one third of the world's population. That children between those ages, before the age of 15, 75 to 85 percent of Everyone that receives Christ today as their Lord and Savior do so before the age of 15. 75 to 85% of the people today that get saved do so when they're a child. Also, they say that a moral, the moral compass of a child is developed by the age of nine. The morals of that child will probably live with the rest of their life has been developed before the age of nine. So about stealing, about telling the truth, about uh, a work ethic, all of that is taught to that child before the age of nine. And if it's not been taught, chances are that child will struggle with that the rest of their life. 
We have an opportunity as a church, as an individual, as a family to make a difference in children's lives that will last them for eternity. And these children are not just children. I mean, we can think of children who are raised in a single parent household that maybe don't have a daddy at home or being raised by grandparents. We know children that are in the inner city, children that are um, really uh, latchkey kids that, you know, kind of live at home, get home from school all by themselves. There are children all around us that are needing adult influence. But can I tell you, it's not just those kids. My kids need adults in their life. They have a godly mom and a dad, but they still need other adults that will speak life into them, that will influence them for Christ, that will teach them, that will take time for them. And this message is not just for adults. Can I tell you what? This message is for you teenagers. My daughter is 10 years old, and she's already pouring into the next generation, working with the preschoolers. This morning, she's upstairs. She's going to be teaching in the preschool department. My teenage daughter, with her peers, with her younger sister, influencing them for Christ. Every one of us can have an impact on a child's life. And 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul told Timothy, Do not let anyone treat you as if you are unimportant because you are young. Can I tell you the LM translation? You know what that is? The Linnell Miller translation? Don't treat anyone as unimportant just because they're a kid. Did you hear that? Don't treat anyone unimportant just because they're a kid. Don't say, well, when they get older, then we'll make a place for them and find, help them find their spiritual gift. Can I tell you what? If your child doesn't figure out what they're called to do at a young age, chances are they'll never do it when they get older. Because as adults, we're selfish. We're set in our ways. We, it's all about us. And we need to teach our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, the kids in our neighborhood, the kids that we know that go home. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and you know some kids in your neighborhood who come home to an empty house. Maybe you're supposed to be one that says, hey, talk to their parents. They can come over to my house, and I'll feed them a snack until you get home from work. And you take that time to invest in that child's life. I have something I want to show you. We got new kids on t-shirts, come on kids, that say, we're not just kids. Come on, we're going to do, show you something. We're not just kids. We're not, um, we're full of faith. We're prayer warriors. We're teachers, prophets, and evangelists. We're giant slayers and mountain movers. We are bold witnesses. We're tomorrow's leaders. We are God's answer to your future. Okay, ready? We're not just kids, we're an army. Amen.
I want to ask you a question. When you look at the kid next to you, or when you look at the kid that runs across your lawn or that gets into your flower bed, or you look at the kid that's sitting next to you texting on their phone or wiggling in their chair or talking to their friend, what do you see? What do you see when you look at the kids in your life? What do you see when you look at a kid that's throwing a fit in Walmart, that's crying, that's screaming, that's carrying on? What do you see? Do you see a brat? Do you see a snotty-nosed kid? Smelly kid? What do you see when you look at kids? Now, I'm going to ask you with this little sticky note that during my message today, I'm going to believe with you that God's going to give you some kids' names. That whether you are 12 or you're 82, that you're going to have an influence and you're going to change the way you look at those kids, the way you spend time with those kids. And these are not just your kids. I'm not saying just those living in your house, although that's part of it, but kids that are outside of your home that you are supposed to influence for Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to tell you a story about one little boy. Now, this little boy was a shepherd boy. This little boy didn't smell too good. He kind of smelled like sheep. You ever been around kids that have been riding horses, been out in the pasture? They don't smell very good, do they? They probably got some stuff on their shoes, you know, or on their feet, because in his day, he was probably barefoot, had sandals on. They don't smell very good. They may not be very clean. He was just the runt of his family. And there was this prophet by the name of Samuel. And God told Samuel, he said, go to Jesse's sons. And I go to Jesse, and I want you to offer a sacrifice, and I am going to choose from all of his sons one that's going to be king over Israel. Well, he goes to where Jesse lived. And he told Jesse, get all your sons together. We're going to go offer a sacrifice to God, and we're going to eat dinner together. So Jesse gathers all his sons together. And he goes and he meets with Samuel. And he starts to parade his big, strong boys in front of Samuel. And he brings the first one, the oldest one. And boy, Samuel looked at that boy and he thought, whew, he looks like a king. This must be the one. And he starts to get out that jar of oil to start to anoint him. And listen to what God said in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this big, strong boy, the oldest of Jesse's sons, God said, uh-uh, that's not the one. So Jesse said, okay, and he brings the second one. And God says, no, that's not the one. He brings the third one and on and on and parades him in front of Samuel. And God kept saying, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. Well, Samuel started to scratch his head and say, well, God, uh, you told me it was one of Jesse's sons. And so, but here he's paraded them all in front of me. And, and Samuel said to Jesse, Jesse, is this all your boys? And Jesse says, oh, oh yeah, well, you know, I got this young kid. He's out in the, he's out in the field. He's with the sheep. He doesn't smell very good and he's not very clean. Um, uh, yeah, I, do, I have one more son. 
And Samuel said, go get him. And as soon as David arrived in the presence of Samuel, God says, he's the one. He's the one. And it says that Samuel took the oil, laid his hands on David, and anointed him as king. And it says from that day forward, the power and the spirit of God came upon that young little boy, that shepherd boy. And he was anointed as king. He didn't look like much before then. He didn't have the, the outward look that his brothers did as a, of a warrior. But God looked at his heart. His dad didn't see it. His dad overlooked him, left him out in the field, got all of his other sons, forgot about David. Oops. Oh, yeah, actually, I do have one more son. Oops. Can I tell you? God may see a king in your life, a child that's been overlooked, a child that nobody has seen the potential in, a child that everyone else has just kind of pushed out to pasture. God may say to you, that's a king. That's a leader. That's an evangelist. That's a prophet. That is going to be the next president of the United States. Or that one is going to be a senator or congressman. We have to ask God to help us see kids through God's eyes. And Samuel, thank God he didn't anoint the first one because that would not have been God's choice. He waited and he saw the potential that God saw in this little boy by the name of David. Tell you about another king of Judah. His name was Joash. Let me tell you a little bit about Joash. He was the youngest king that was ever sat on the throne of Judah. And this, if you want to go ahead and turn this in 2 Kings chapter 12. But Joash was age seven when they anointed him king and he became king over Judah. But let me tell you about his daddy. Joash's daddy was a wicked king. He was only king for one year and God took him out. Joash had a grandmother who was even more wicked than the daddy. It says that when the, her son died, she went and looked for all of his sons and murdered all of her grandsons so she could be queen. And she became queen and sat on the throne for six years while Joash turned from one to age two to age three. But luckily for Joash, somebody took Joash, hid him, brought him to the priest, and it said they hid him in a, in a bedroom in the temple. And listen to why Joash was a success. Second Kings 12, chapter 2 says, all his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Why? Because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Jehoiada taught him at the age of one, two, three, four, five, six, age of seven. He said, God saved you. God rescued you. God has his hand on your life. You are anointed to be the next king of Judah. But you're not just going to be any king. You're not going to be like your daddy. You're not going to be like your grandma. You're going to be a mighty king, a king that's a righteous king, a holy king. He taught him how to read his Bible. He taught him how to have a personal relationship with God. He taught him how to obey the commandments. He taught him how to pray. We're talking a baby in stinky diapers, a child 
who, excuse me, this may be a little gross, who maybe liked to pick his nose, who was just a kid. He taught them, you've got greatness in you. He taught them, he instructed them. We have kids in our life that need to be taught. We have kids in our life that have no clue who God is. No clue how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. No clue how to read their Bible. There are kids in our church. Now, sure, they may come to church, but they need somebody to teach them. We have kids in our neighborhood. They need somebody to teach them. You have kids that are in the schools that need coaches that will be godly coaches to train them in the things of God. Teach them how to pray. Gather them together. We have an opportunity to influence the next generation who are not only one day going to be future leaders, but they can be leaders today. They started a prayer class. Tina Yitzen did. Upstairs on Wednesday nights, her and Pat Stewart. And I was hearing from Pat about some of the kids and how powerful they were when they would pray. Did you know the Bible says unless you have faith as one of these little ones? You know that kids have more faith than most of us adults? Their prayers are heard. They ascend unto the throne of God. And our, our kids today can be the boldest witnesses because they're not intimidated. They're not afraid. They'll say things that we would never, ever say. But because they come out of the mouth of a child, somebody may hear them and be touched by God. Our kids need people who will take time to teach them, to instruct them how to follow God. So number one was see kids through God's eyes, notice them. Number two was instruct them or teach kids how to follow God. The third thing that I wanted to mention to you was to speak words of life over the kids around you. Speak words of life over them. Let me tell you about this young teenage girl by the name of Mary. She was probably 14, 15 years of age and had an angelic visitation. An angel came to her and said, Mary, you're going to conceive a child. He's going to be the son of God. He's going to be the savior of the world. Glorious visitation. Mary said to the angel, be it unto me according to your will. But then if you keep reading in Luke chapter 1, you'll see that immediately after the angel left her, she packed her things and she ran off to Elizabeth's house. Now Elizabeth was her cousin, an older woman, probably in her 60s. Never had any children, but now was six months pregnant. Beyond the, the years of being able to bear children, yet God had blessed her. And it says as soon as Mary got to her house, Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth started proclaiming over Mary words of life, saying in in, uh, Luke 1, God has blessed you more than any other woman. He has blessed the baby to which you will give birth. Verse 45, you are blessed because you believed. She started speaking words of blessing over Mary. Now, let me kind of tell you what I think was going on in Mary's life. 14, 15-year-old girl, pregnant, not married, knowing she had committed no sin, knowing that, that she had never slept with a man, knowing that this was from God. 
But she was scared. Mom and dad, are they going to believe me? Joseph, he said, what's he going to do? What's going to happen to me? Are my friends going to make fun of me? And she was scared, and she found a safe person to speak into her life, to say, I believe in you. Say, God's hands on your life. He's going to take care of you. Say, you can do this. You can face your parents. You can face Joseph. You can face those that would make fun of you. You can do it. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. I'm there for you. And for three months, it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth, getting her courage up, getting the ability to be able to go back and to be able to stand and believe that God's plan was going to take place in her life. There are kids in our life that need words of blessings. I know that I look for kids that I can speak over. I love you. I believe in you. You're going to make it. You can do all things to Christ. I look for kids that maybe are not hearing this at home, that are disregarded, that, that maybe they're overlooked, that maybe because of divorce and because of the pain of separation and maybe there's not a daddy in the home, that I can speak those words that they've been longing to hear. Give them the courage. Give them the faith that they need to be able to be who God's created them to be. You know, when I was a kid, I remember a prophet, and I was the middle child. I don't know how many are middle children here, but I was, if you want to say it this way, the least of my sisters. I had a very outgoing, popular, uh, gifted orator as an older sister, and I had a uh, little sister that was like my youngest daughter, very self-assured and confident, and, and I was the one that was uh, easily intimidated. I had a very low self-esteem. I did not feel good about myself. And I remember this prophet lady. Her name was Esther Mallet, a preacher lady. And she prophesied over my life with the call and the plan and the purpose of God in my life. And I remember that as a little girl of nine years of age, hearing that, knowing that I always wanted to be in the ministry and called, but she confirmed it. Then I remember a principal by the name of Ken Whitehead. And he was a Christian. I was in a Christian school at that time. And we were planning a trip, a missions trip, and they were taking 20 young people that were adults, really adults and 18-year-olds and, and, and older, on a missions trip. And I wanted to go. And you know what Ken Whitehead said? He said, I'll be, Debbie and I, my wife and I, will be responsible for this young girl. She's too young to go, but we'll take her on as our daughter. They took me on that trip, exposed me to missions. Then I remember when I was 17, there was a missionary who helped, helped ministers all around the world, training them, equipping them, um, assisting them in whatever ways. And I remember I wanted to go to Youth with a Mission. I was 17, and I felt the call of God in my life. And he came up to my dad. He heard that. He saw what God saw in me, that potential. And he said to my dad, Emmanuel, here's the money for your daughter to go. We didn't have the money at the time. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. He gave that money and invested it in my life. It changed my life. It set me on the course of the destiny and call of God on my life. I could name 
people again and again. My Sunday school teacher when I was nine years old, she was probably 15, Jerry. She loved God. She taught me the, the scriptures in the Bible. She spent time with me. She was a role model to me. I could tell you people in my children's lives that made a difference with, with their words. Miss Dorothy prophesied and speaking to my son. Every time she sees him, she speaks words of life over him. People that have poured into Bethany, into Rebecca. These words of life, these words of blessing, these words that, that speak destiny and purpose. We can do that. We can have that impact on a child's life that can change the course of their life forever. Let me ask you a question. Why are you in church today? Who prayed for you? Who talked to you? Who witnessed to you? Who led you to Christ? Where would you be today if it hadn't been for them? Speak words of blessing. And then the last thing I wanted to say was take time for the kids in your life. Jesus took time for kids. Did you know that? He wasn't too busy for the little kids. It says that in Mark 10 that these parents brought kids to Jesus. And the disciples tried to shoo them away. Go away, go away. Jesus doesn't have time right now. He's too busy with the adults. There's more important things in his life than these kids. But listen to what Jesus said in verse 14. He was irate and let the disciples know it. He said, don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. And then you know what he did? He took these children into his arms. I could just see him just gathering them on his lap. We have a picture painted upstairs on a wall in kids' home. Gathering them on his lap, kissing their heads, laying hands on them, speaking words of blessing over them, laughing with them, maybe tickling them, talking to them. God has a plan for your life. You're important to God. Jesus showed us how important it was to take time with children. Now, I hope you still have your little sticky note. I want you to, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but I really hope that you've been writing down some names. Not just your children's names. Not even just your grandchildren's names, although some of you grandmas, Pat Stewart, bringing her great-granddaughter to church. But people in your life that you can influence. If you're a teenager... Maybe it's at someone you babysit. Maybe it's a younger sibling. Maybe it's your sibling's friends. Taking time to be an influence in their life, to speak words of life. Take time to teach them, to notice them, to bless them. Will you commit to doing that? God's given us a challenge. We believe that as a church, children are important to God. We believe that with all of our heart and we make room in our budget for that we spend time on that we have classes and painted a whole kid zone saying kids matter to god and i want to encourage you you can make a difference in a child's life in many children's lives you can be there because of you they can become a joash because of you they might could become a david 
because of you, they might could become a Mary. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for each and every person that's here today. God, I just want you to lay your hands on your eyes right now. Everyone lay your hands on your eyes. And I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, anoint my eyes that I could see the kids around me the way you see them. I want you to lay your hands on your mouth. Say, Jesus, anoint my lips that I can speak words of life to the kids I come in contact with. Now I want you to lay your hands on your heart. Say, Jesus, make room in my heart for the kids I come in contact with, the ones in my neighborhood, in my extended family, my kids' friends, my little sisters and brothers' friends, help me to love them like you love them. Spend time with them. Now, Lord, I just want to pray for that you do touch our hearts, God. Kids are important to you. They matter to you. And, God, I pray we'll never be too busy or never think we're too important and not have time to spend with the kids that are around us. Help, them to, help us to see their potential. Help us to speak words of life and blessing. Help us, Lord, to be role models that they can follow. Help us to take them by the hand and lead them right to the master. Help us, Lord, to see that they are our hope for the future of America, for the future of our world, that they are important to you. Therefore, they're going to be important to us. Thank you, Jesus. the Lord. Well, how many can say, I am that person, huh? Hey, you did a good job. Give her a big hand. You did a real good job. I hope I have a job next Sunday. Of course, it is hunting season, so I could be. Praise the Lord. It's good. Let me say a couple of things as we're going to close today. For, now, she's taking a group uh, to Chiapas, Mexico in November. 
Yeah. T- t- now, now these are the this this is the inherit, uh, heritage of the Mayan Indians. I mean, this, these are this is not just folks like you and I. This is a totally different uh, unreached people group. Uh, the gospel has come to them. Real short people. Christianity Today years ago said they were the most violent people group in West, in the Western Hemisphere 25 years ago. Today there are thousands and thousands of thousands of Christians there. They'll walk hours and hours just to get to church. I promise you, you go and touch a place like that, it will change your life. And you have an interest meeting on Wednesday night? Yeah, 5.30. Yeah, in- information's in the bulletin there. Here's how we're going to close. At the end of the service, you got the little card about participating in our, our Saturday night service. Want to commit to that? I'd love to get you on the part of the team on this board after service over here. We're going to clear out a little spot on the bottom. Cluster your little, uh, your little sign-up form on the bottom there so we can send you an email this week and know, know who's going to be a part of our team. But here's how we're closing our service this morning. I know there are many of you here that need prayer. Now, when you decided to come to church this morning, you were looking for something spiritual to happen in your life. Now, how many know for many of us it happened during worship? There's just something that happens when I worship with another person. Yesterday, my wife and I were at home, and and Rebecca, our 10-year-old, was at home, and she's got this song that Pastor Nick's been doing, and she's been singing it all over the house. She was singing at the computer, and then she was taking a shower, and she was just singing this worship song, and I thought, well, isn't that the coolest thing? Well, you can connect with God in worship. Many of you did. You can connect with God when you came to church this morning to hear something from the Bible, to have some truth that was spoken to your heart. And it was this morning. That was powerful. That's something you can take home and you can live with. But there's also a place in a church service where you need someone to pray for you. See, one of the wisest things you can do is to have someone pray for you when you need God to help you in some area. When we were worshiping this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me that there's people that are at the crossroads of their life today. There's people that could go either direction. They could go continue on the pathway they're in, and life is going to fall apart. It could be some addictive behavior they're struggling with. It could be their marriage, their job. But they're at a crossroads, and they know God is calling them to go the right way, to go the way and follow Christ. Someone would like to pray for you today. We'll pray for anything that's going on. The reason we do it at the end of the service, we'll take as much time as you need. People will minister to you today. They'll pray. They'll prophesy over your life. Maybe you're here today and maybe, maybe you have a burden for some child God has really put on your heart and you want to just come and pray for them. It doesn't just have to be needs in your life. How many know it can be something that's on your heart that you want the power of prayer at work? Well, how many know that Jesus even taught us that if two of us would agree as touching anything, what did he say? It'd be done. It's power that can be released when we pray. Now, here's another big one, too. And the way we're going to do this, in just a second, he's going to sing one last chorus. And when he begins to sing, we'll stand up. And as you stand, our prayer team is going to make their way to the front. And I want you to just come if you want prayer. But here's another big one, because I know every Sunday morning, people come to church, and what they're needing is a relationship with God. Now, how many know just because you go to church, you're not a Christian? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going through a car wash makes you a car. I mean... I mean, it's an opportunity to get wet if you go through the car wash, just like it's an opportunity to connect with God. When I was 19 years of age, I was raised in church all my life. Thank God Mom made me go, but it was in my head and not in my heart. I don't know how to say it any other way. God was like an emergency call, 911. If I need some help, I call on God, and when, when I'm done with the emergency, I put him back on my shelf. But about 30 years ago, I committed my life to Christ, and I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to wash them away and give me a brand new start in life. And I'll tell you something happened in me. It was August 15th, 1976. It was not just a New Year's resolution. It was literally when I offered my life to Christ, He took me. And somehow, God became a part of my life. It's real. The Bible calls it being saved, being born again. 
For some of you, it could be the first time you've ever made a step like this. For others, you might have gotten away from God. But I want to tell you, something can happen for you today, and we'd be honored to pray for you. So listen, Pastor Nick's going to just begin to sing. Why don't you just begin to sing this last song? I want you to go ahead and stand. And as you're standing, our prayer team is coming. And if you want prayer or ministry, you come and someone will pray for you this morning. Come on, just sing with us one time through. Prayer team is coming. You need prayer. You need to get right with God. You come. We'll sing it through one time.